Last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. I brought O'Brien last week. He had a great time. He got everyone whiskey. But no, one of the bridge crew wants to come down. One who I will point out doesn't have a functioning understanding of the emotion of humour, right? Suddenly he's top villain. Well, I'm just saying, she didn't she didn't look eleven. Right? Right. Okay. So that's not on me. I've ended up with 148 dildos. I, I don't know, man. What's the opposite of the French Revolution? And now, the conclusion. Podcasts. A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. Its ongoing mission, to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slog, Stardate 47. These are the continued voyages of uh, Lieutenants Eddie Edwards and Mr. Mark Bench as we trek our way through all, all of Star Trek. Uh, how have you been, Mark? What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, so before we, so we started recording this episode a, a little bit late, a few minutes late, because I was uh, watching a video on YouTube about a guy taking uh, staples, like your, your standard stationary staples, and turning it and and forging it into like a a blade, right? Calling right, it okay. calling it Staples Damascus steel, right? Now with a with a with a sale like that and a video that's been on YouTube for days with millions of hits, I'm like, I am in. I am going to learn something here. This is going to be incredible. Now, Eddie, I don't. I, I wanted to tune out pretty quickly, but then I thought, no, maybe this is going somewhere. I don't know how many times I'm going to have to say it on this podcast, Eddie. I am not a blacksmith. <laughs> so I assumed when I read this guy's taking staples and turning it into a blade, I'm like, that's some ingenuity. But the first thing he does, he gets the staples, he takes them out of the box, he arranges them into a sort of nice little stable, almost like circle of staples, like you used to do with like quavers or pring. You know when you make those, pr- those Pringles... Circuits. I've yeah, never yeah. done it. I'm usually too busy eating them, but I've seen it on the internet. You make the Pringles circles and they all interlock in. Yeah, I don't doubt that can be done, yeah. but by somebody with more self-control around Pringles than I have. Uh, exactly. Uh, I've seen it online. But the first thing he does, he gets these little staple bars, and then he immediately puts it into like a tiny little metal box, which he fills up with some sort of powder that he doesn't explain. So how am I to know that that powder isn't magic sword-making powder? In which case, I'm just watching a man making a regular yeah. knife. He's just putting in powdered steel. Uh, yeah, so, I'm, so I'm, I'm sitting there alone on my couch. I'm watching this video. I'm like, by that point, I'm two minutes in. I'm already invested in this nine-minute video. I'm like, what, 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 what's going on here? And then, and this is how he gets you. Um, he starts doing. I assume it's a he. You don't see his face. He had, he had quite manly hands. So I'm going to I'm going to take a jump on that one. Uh, then then he starts doing all the all the tools and things and all the all the automatic hammer shit coming down. And I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to watch this. But what you've done is you've got me watching a video just about a clearly regular everyday thing that blacksmiths do, and you've made a promise about it being made out of staples, and I just don't believe you. And yeah, now YouTube yeah. doesn't have the dislike button, so I can't really let this man know how I feel, other than going in the comments and just shouting some racial abuse at him. <laughs> That's the world we live in now. Yeah, YouTube brought that on themselves. Yeah. By getting rid of the dislike button. All that's left is racial epitaphs. Uh, but I'm with you. If somebody says, I'm going to make a knife out of staples, I want this to be something I could construct conceivably at a standard uh, video game crafting bench that I expect to be all over the place come the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. But if you if you're gonna just like go, oh, is like I'm not gonna find a blacksmithing shop. Not no. frequently. Not enough to make weapons. So no. And, no, get, and get this, man. About halfway through the video, he's made the he's made the little what I assume are Damascus steel rods, right? And then he he, he boils a kettle, and I'm like, oh, a kettle's boiling. This is a new thing that's happening. 
And then, he, and then he gets some leaves. And then he puts these leaves in a little glass teapot. And I'm like, what, what's this got to do with, with steel making? Is this guy just making himself a fucking copper? Right? Pours the water in the leaves and just pours himself a cup of tea and drinks it. 45 seconds of your video that you promised me was a video about making a knife out of staples. I've just spent watching you make yourself a fucking brew. Yeah. What I is was, this, I was, I was hoping that there was going to be some sort of Japanese ceremonial thing where like, you have to pour the tea water onto the blade and, you know, it's imbued with the spirit of your ancestors. Yeah. As the writer Kevin Smith once said, brevity is the soul of wit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was also it was also him who said if you establish in Act One that there is a teapot, in Act yeah. Three that teapot should be used to make a sword. Uh, he 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 named it Chekhov's gun after an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So how, how have you been? Um, I'm all right. I've been playing. I've been replaying The Witness. If you've, ever, if you've ever played that. Um, so, uh, yeah, you, it's like, it's, lovely. it's a kind of like a modern mist if the puzzles weren't shit. Right. Um, so, like, you get, you're get you on an island. Looks beautiful. Really beautiful game. And you go around to these little panels that have mazes on them. And you've got to solve mazes. And it's like, oh, it starts off just, well, what's the quickest way through? And then it's, oh, what's the quickest way through? What's getting all the dots? And you can't go back on yourself. You've got a line. Um, and then it's like, oh, collect it. you've got to cut these areas, like certain shapes off from certain other shapes. Mm. So it gets more complicated iterating on the idea. And I've, it's been about two, three years since, no, maybe four years since I last played it. So I've forgotten all the puzzles now. Mm. Uh, and I never finished it because the bloke who made it reckons only about 2% of people who play it will actually finish it because there's so many hidden puzzles in it. So I decided to go back and uh, feel intellectually inferior uh, by not being able to complete The Witness again. <laughs> well, that, that sounds complicated. I've been playing the new Ghostbusters game in which you bust ghosts. <laughs> there's a, hold on, is there a new Ghostbusters game? I was unaware yeah, of this. It's actually pretty meant. It, so it's, it's in that sort of fashionable video game style that they have that the kids have now. Uh, where it's like four what players versus one player, and one player okay. is the ghost. And it, when I found this out, I was like, why on earth would I ever want to play as the ghost? It's literally been my dream to bust ghosts <laughs> my entire life. Why would I ever want to be the one who is who is themselves busted? But I'll tell you what, man, playing as the ghost is great. It's, it's, it's so it's much fun. Like it's got the, the opposite of the Friday... Was it the Friday the 13th one where one person played as Jason... And then a group of you play the survivors, and apparently that had real problems with people just logging off yeah. immediately. They weren't playing Jason, but yeah. this is like the whereas the Ghostbusters is like, no, I want to play the weaker thing with a Ghostbuster backpack. Well, there is yeah, exactly. There is a thing because after the first day I played it, because I've got a group of mates that I play it with, and, and there's four of us, so that works out. Uh, four white guys though, um, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, so so the first day we played it. Uh, it, there wasn't obviously that many players. No, everyone was kind of getting used to it. But we noticed that as the Ghostbusters, if the ghost was played by the AI, uh, we could bust it pretty easily. But if it was played by a player, then it had to be... It was actually really difficult to do. So we were like, well, the ghost has to get nerfed. And then we looked at all the chat, and it, it, basically it was 50-50 on the ghost has to get nerfed and the Ghostbusters have to get nerfed, which to me tells me that that's quite a balanced game. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but here's a bit of, do you know what's weird is i believe it's from the same people who made the friday the 13th game and upon release i think they one of them or one of the voice actors was on a podcast and someone asked them like ghostbusters seems to be shaping up to be pretty balanced and good like why has that happened here when the friday the 13th game was just a big mess and uh, apparently he said that he was talking to the developers about it and the developers basically said well, Sony just gave us the rights and then just left us alone so we could actually make a proper functioning game, whereas the makers of Friday the 13th were like, no it, they were really interfering but Sony, I can imagine with they the, with what is specific rules about like Jason has to be A, B, C, D yeah. and it's like, 
Yeah, because I know that apparently the, the Evil Dead one is great, and they were like left alone. Yeah. Like, it, and that's to the point where they went, "We have no respect for continuity." There could be like four people playing as Ash yeah. at any one time, and that's. And if you're an Evil Dead fan, you've never cared about the continuity of the greater franchise. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I want to see a man with a chainsaw hand killing deadites. That's that's all I want. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you make that happen. Yeah. So because uh, that um, that yeah, middle Evil Dead movie that they released in 2013, I mean, it's fine. But yeah. it doesn't have a man with a chainsaw for a hand killing monsters. <laughs> so why no, am I? I'm not interested. I love that the the, the only studio note they've ever got is um, like that they've ever listened to was Sam Raimi got a studio note after they filmed about half of the third um, like Army of Darkness, where they just went in the last act. You have Ash hiding in a wardrobe and pissing himself, and we make think it makes him too unlikable. <laughs> <laughs> Could you make him somewhat heroic, please? And then um, uh, Sam Raimi was like, okay, I'll let him be the hero, but the unleashing of the evil has got to also be largely his fault. (laughs) Yeah, there's a really really good quote uh, from Sam Raimi. I think it was during the production of Ash vs. Evil Dead where people... An interviewer asked him, what do you think is appealing about Ash? And he said, well, the thing that's appealing about Ash is that he's not really an everyman. Um, it's more that he is good at one specific thing and that one specific thing happens to be killing deadites so if we drop him into a universe where there are deadites for him to kill no matter how obnoxious he is as a character you're going to get to quite like him <laughs> I I love um, if, you've, if you want a, a joy one of my great joys in life is watch, watch the Evil Dead 2 with director's commentary um because on the uh, Evil Dead 2 there is one of my favourite bits of uh, commentary it's right at the opening um, but if you haven't seen Evil Dead 2 it starts with kind of a retread of Evil Dead 1 because there were some rights issues and they didn't have the rights to the first movie so they refilmed that bit as sort of a truncated opening for um, the first the second one on the commentary they're talking about the, ha- the fact they had to do that and been, there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not Ash is stupid enough to go to the same cabin twice <laughs> even though the first time he nearly got murdered by the evil dead and the answer to that question is yes yeah. but that's not what happened <laughs> <laughs> oh. speaking of things that have clips from other things in it oh so yeah I didn't uh, hate this episode I think there have been worse episodes I okay so if you, to, to, just to progress it it's a it's a it's I, I hesitate to say it's a clip show because it spends more time on like the wraparound yeah. for the establishment of a clip show than necessary but it's a cross between a clip show and a bottle episode it, this episode exists entirely because the money ran out yeah uh and I think that's that's a common thing back in if if you're a if you're a Gen Z or listening to this probably not Gen Z if you're a Gen Alpha listening to this first of all get back to school um, <laughs> second of all if you if you're not if you're not aware because they don't really have to do them anymore uh, clip shows as much as people complain about them clip shows used to be fairly useful uh, especially yeah. with. Uh, shows in the 80s and the 90s where home media maybe wasn't as available. Certainly you couldn't stream it as you can now. You couldn't even really watch it on the internet in any way, shape or form. You had to go out and buy the VHS copies. So every now and again a clip show would be good because it could fill you in on things that you might have missed if you jumped on at a later date. Uh, This has none of that. Uh, Oh, but (laughs) here's here's something I was talking to Laura about because we watched Clerks 3 the other day. Um, and Clerks 3 is essentially a series of callbacks to Clerks 1 designed to make grown men cry. Um, now, <laughs> there's a bit in Clerks 3 where they get lo- where they go into the freezer at the back of the quick stop. And I said, oh, if they get... Because I kept pausing it to basically show off my knowledge of Kevin Smith's entire life. Um, <laughs> and that's why she loves me. But I, I was like, if they get locked in this freezer, this is the deepest cut in this whole thing. Because, and this is oh, going that's yeah, it's because yeah. Oh, I figured out the reference. Yeah. So, and so there, there was a there was a little known Clerks the animated series released in the nineties, which is very yeah. good. It's on DVD. There's only six episodes, um, but 
they done the first episode as like a kind of adventure. It's good. It's great. Like it's a standard animated comedy show, but then a genius move suggested <laughs> by Paul Dini, the man who created Batman the animated series, said, "Why don't you just make episode two a clip show of episode one?" <laughs> And it really works. It's, yeah, it's 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 and it's it an entire episode devoted to we are doing one joke and we are going to hammer it and over and over again because because it, it's a really funny joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the 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 story the story with this episode goes it's they. Um, They'd, uh, I'd looked into the production of it. So they were asked to do a bottle episode that would like save money. Um, uh, normally they took seven days to film an episode of Star Trek Next Generation. Um, this they wanted to do for the studio asked, so the network asked them to do five days. Um, they ended up having three. And that's when they added in the aspects of making it a clip. The director has never seen the episode. Uh, he filmed. There were two days of three days of filming, and two days of that were entirely on the sick base set. Uh, and it seems but, like they couldn't I, even afford Picard. <laughs> it's like he showed up for fifteen minutes on his way to do something else. Yeah, I think they, there was literally a thing about like keeping the cast as minimal as possible. But but here's the, and here's the thing, Mark. I looked into it to find out why they didn't have any money left, and I, I, and it annoys me so much because, yeah, no, I agree. They didn't have any money left because they blew it all on Elementary, My Dear Data, and Q Who. <laughs> like, that's the two best episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. But equally, I did look at a lot of season two and go, we didn't need that episode. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I do like as well that this was this was a clip show. It's almost like they could see the future because before I'd really sat down to start watching Next Gen, uh, I would ask people about it and the advice I would always get would be just start at season three. And yeah. it's as if they've made a clip show episode at the end of season two to be like, this is why you should start at season three because <laughs> this is a clip show that only references bad episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, don't get me wrong, there's it, two or three fuck planets in there, but of course that's what Riker remembers. Of the 46 previous episodes, they choose clips from 17 of them, and they include the racist episode <laughs> <laughs> and and the sexist episode. Yeah. And what I, also, they're supposed to be Riker's memories, but some, there are certain clips of things Riker couldn't possibly have remembering yeah like stuff that he didn't see unless he uh, assuming he didn't later then watch the episode back on the uh on the replays when <laughs> yeah. he, uh, after the episode's finished oh and also there's a clip from wrath of khan yeah that's right yeah that was bizarre <laughs> so uh, apparently Riker remembers watching wrath of khan <laughs> <laughs> as we all would on our deathbed yeah um, <laughs> Just like, like, you know, i'm gonna be lying there on my deathbed and he regrets we should we should we should watch Rafa Khan more. <laughs> just, just just God give me a hundred and and twenty three minutes. <laughs> I'll skip the credits. <laughs> um so so you look so I didn't look at all into the production of this episode. Oh my screen's just gone off. Oh it's back. Uh, I didn't look at all into the production of this episode, but do you know what the jungle set was? No, I was I was curious because I was assuming if you're going to save, trying to save budget, you got a three day thing that would have been a pre existing set. Yeah, you wouldn't have built unless they already had all of like the elements and could quickly throw it together. I reckon it's a theme park ride. Really, I reckon it might be like the background of a theme park ride or something. I'm I think it might be the background of the set they use for Worf's um, oh, like yeah. fighting program. Yeah, like it could be some bits of that filmed from a different angle, so maybe. Because yeah, it's like where did they film it? They filmed it in Burbank, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they could easily I, pop off to Universal Studios or, or I don't like Disney would have let them, but but yeah, I think so. I think you're probably right. I think that is yeah, that was just a random set they had knocking about. 
<laughs> that they just didn't visit a whole lot this season. Yeah. So, like, the cast-wise, like, like you said, it, it, it's like they didn't have Picard money. Or could they, yeah, I think they only paid in Patrick Stewart for one day. So, so it's Geordie Riker, Chief O'Brien, Deanna Troy, one extra. Yep. Data thing, and the last ever appearance of Dr. Pulaski. Um, she lasted, um, I've, I checked this out beforehand, I did a bit of research. The season she was on um, was 238 days, was her tenure on board the Enterprise, which is equivalent to 5.28 Liz Trusses. Uh, <laughs> and I don't yet know how many Sunaks, but I'm guessing more than two. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am. Um, oh fuck! Yeah. O'Brien watch. Um, I don't. Uh, so, so Pulaski, I've actually come to quite like Pulaski over the latter yeah. half of the season. Uh, but this this really took me out because first of all, the first thing she does is approach the transporter with a look on her face. Right now, obviously, I know Pulaski is frightening the transporters. But don't be making those faces approaching the, the, the fucking platform as if O'Brien doesn't know what he's doing, right? Um, yeah. And I it, it just made me feel like, you know the people who clap when the plane lands? I reckon yeah. Pulaski claps when she rematerializes. I, She's deliberately snarky towards, like, O'Brien, who's clearly trying to put her at ease. Yeah. With a little bit exactly. of transport accommodation. It's like, that's okay, Alan O'Brien. Yeah. Don't, like, if you're worried that your molecules are going to get spread all over the cosmos and you're going to be dead, then don't piss off the man who could do that. Yeah, he knows what <laughs> buttons to press. He's done it before. You can make it, can make it look like an accident. Yeah. He, okay. Yeah, exactly. When he, when he beams out a hooker, she comes out dead. <laughs> oh... But yeah, I do like it. it's like oh, I've been, it, the, the whole episode is basically Riker going, oh, my leg. That's yeah. it. He trips on a vine and it like stabs him. It, the, the, like, it is so clear that they had no money for this episode. Because there's, there's a lot of like, oh, let's explain in depth Riker's uh, situation so that we only have to set up two locked off camera shots <laughs> in, uh, in and do the like back and forth explaining all the medical Trump like stuff and then oh, is it, and it's Riker has like if he's having positive dreams um, then that will be good for the thing that's trying to kill him but if he's having bad dreams then it's bad for the thing that's going to try and kill him because we don't want to show just Riker's pleasant moments, because that's a, that's an even worse clip show. Yeah. Uh, so here's the time he got beat up by an old guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't have done season one. Yeah, it, like, no, I would either. have had that as a rule. I would have no, no. All Riker must be bearded in all clips from this episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Oh, so a little bit of thing this is like the only clip show yeah in the history of star trek because i'd looked into it and they're like on the memory uh alpha they've got uh, like five things they say could could technically count as a clip show and one of them is like some flashbacks in the finale of deep space nine that doesn't count that's fine and then they, they tried to say um the episodes where they flash back to the unaired pilot um of the original series Ah, uh, to sh- but it it never aired. That it never aired. As a cl- yeah, and and the events of that, the events of that episode are pertinent to the to the events. The events of the pilot are pertinent to the events of that episode. Yeah, so it's not a clip yeah. show. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. They they apparently they got approached in season four again. Like Paramount came to them and was like, "You've got over budget. You have to make a clip show." Uh, again, and they they were so angry about how this show turned out. This episode, they were like, "No!" Uh, so they like they came up with like a bottle episode that was like as cheap to produce as a clip show would be. But yeah, this is basically this. Be thankful this episode exists 
because it means that no other clip shows <laughs> ever be attempted. If they really that. wanted to save money, what they should have done is just done an episode entirely from the perspective of Jordy through his visor <laughs> with stunt doubles. Because that effect isn't expensive. <laughs> yeah, when the only bad guy they run into is... Um, like they have like twenty different Ferengi baddies, but yep. they're all played by Armin Shimmeran. Yep. So you're saving money there. Yeah. Here's a question: um, How do they attach the pouches to the uniforms? I, I don't know. I assume there's a belt, but it's a one but piece. But the, you can't really see a belt, and it's it's like, well, it, it, I don't imagine they would have went out of their way to make that look good in future HD when they're having things like like the, the, there's a bit in this episode where Riker gets a needle like injected into his head and it's obviously one of those effects where the needle is on a spring and it springs <laughs> back into itself and I wrote down I bet that looked great in standard definition but it doesn't in HD so so are there different uniforms with like different pouches on them if anyone knows the answer to this question please put it in the comments yeah, if there's, I could, hmm. or underneath like a five idea, star review, if because if, <laughs> if it's a one piece, yeah, are they changing? Like, is it? Oh, we're going to do an away mission. Oh, am I going to need a pocket? Uh, <laughs> are, are so the Star Trek uniforms are they designed in the future? Like they decided everybody's going to wear the same sort of stuff. Basically, it's all going to wear the same, and then they decided well to to. If making it as uniform as possible, uh, women don't have pockets, so no one has pockets. Instead of That's giving really everybody cool. pockets. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uniforms, this is their last appearance. This is the last appearance of the Type A uniform. Yeah, uh, one um, man. These, um, <laughs> these, the, yeah, the these get the one one piece get thrown out because they were doing in uh, uh, Jean, uh, Patrick Stewart's back. <laughs> Yeah, he was getting screwed in by the compression, so they're they're a woolen two piece going forward. I think that might give you a view onto how much I have to say about this episode. I yeah, <laughs> I I I have nothing, and it's and it's not like it's I have nothing to say about it because it's a clip show. Because I have things to say about clip shows. Do you know what I mean? Some people put a lot of effort into their clip shows. I was talking to my WhatsApp group today. Uh, and I said, because I was, I was just for lunch, I was like, oh, let's stick on an episode of The Simpsons. And Bart the Comet was next on my Disney Plus. Like, my Disney Plus app, which for me is essentially just The Simpsons app. The Simpsons series three through eight uh, <laughs> app, right? So I was like, oh, what's next? I haven't watched it for a couple of weeks. It was Bart the Comet. And I'm like, is this one good? And then I, I kind of thought about it for a second. I'm like, no, of course it's good. It's got some, it's got some great jokes in it. It's got a really, really dark um, <laughs> Principal Skinner joke, uh, which is really good, which I think should be up there with steamed hams and uh, they just can't get the spices right. But I, I text my WhatsApp group and I was like, can you genuinely, can you think of any legit shit episodes between, let's say, seasons three and nine? Or, or seasons four and nine, because season three, they're still kind of finding their feet a little bit. But yeah, there's not... Even the clip shows have some all-timer jokes in them. Like um, the the 138 episode spectacular, when it's it goes to commercial, <laughs> and it's, it's two silhouettes, and it says, can you name the two popular characters who died... Uh, like during an episode or something and then it comes back and it's like if you said Lady James Murphy and Dr Marvin Monroe you're wrong they were never popular <laughs> or, the, or the other one which is it goes to commercial and it's like uh, what does it say on the on the scanner when Maggie goes through and it comes back and it says it says NRA forever just one of the many wild right wing <laughs> statements that <laughs> Matt Groening likes to insert into every episode <laughs> I one of my uh, like favorite it's a lot later on, on Simpsons episodes is when they wrote Matt Groening as a as a as a character he appears 
in the episode and then one of them is if you see me in public tug on my beard <laughs> it, is, it has magic powers and I'm always pleased to have it happen which is clearly that I love that that's in there because it's just it, it, cause the level of like let's write a joke that makes everybody go up and annoy Matt when they see him in public <laughs> that Matt will have to read because it's objectively hilarious <laughs> yeah it's, it's just it was, it was so lazy um, well, the thing is, like you're right though. A good clip show, like you can do good things with it, but they've like they chose some of the worst episodes to like. I think it's the um, they chose yeah the the racist episode is in. It turns up um, the uh, the yeah the um, up the long ladder the anti Irish episode is. Why these episodes? Why not? There why there is not a single clip. That they show from Q Who or Elementary My Dear Data, which are the two episodes they massively overspent on. Yeah. Which apparently didn't. Like, Riker went over to a Borg cube. So that's a bad memory. Surely yeah, he that was probably be... pretty scared. Remember when he seen all those <laughs> fucked up babies? That's the opposite yeah, int- of arousal, isn't it? <laughs> also, sadness isn't the opposite of happiness. That's a very limited understanding of how emotional. Emotions work. You can be happy and sad at the same time. Yeah. The opposite of any emotion <laughs> is apathy. Yeah. So they should have just, what they should have done to solve that, which I think would have made this an incredible episode, is just be like, oh my God, we need them to feel real apathy. I know. Get Commander Data down here. <laughs> and what we'll do, right, is we'll, is we'll get, a, we'll, we'll ask a replicator to make two hats with folded up bits of paper in them with different subjects and then we'll and then we'll pull two <laughs> subjects out and we'll say to data data no what we'll do is we'll take four out right and we'll point them we'll take three out and we'll show them up to data and we'll say data this is to this as this is to and then just fucking let them go and just and just let Riker watch that'll kill any brain virus uh, I think you've made a mistake by having Data do scenes from a hat when you could have had him do the hoedown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I'd say, like, okay, positives about this episode. R- Riker's sense of humour is quite good. Yeah. Like, he, he stays quite, like, jovial. That's it. It's for, for, for a season finale as well, Mark. Like, They've really fucked not- up their season finales so far. Yeah, they haven't even had the idea of like, oh, maybe we should do a cliffhanger yeah. so that people would get annoyed if we didn't get a se- another series rather than being like, as a Star Trek fan, I'm contractually obligated to watch the next series of whatever shite you make. To be, I mean, to be fair, they do bring it back. Like, <laughs> the, in the very next season, we get a, a culturally historic fucking cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah, so. no, they do, they do something absolutely incredible, um, but um, not not Mark. I've I've seen it, Mark. I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen a trailer for Picard season three. Yeah, so have I. Have, have you? Did you see Moriarty? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that happening? <laughs> I mean. Because he's the only recurring villain that they have who isn't who isn't an omnipotent super being or that one Borg that's a bit gammy. Because uh, <laughs> I'm because I don't I haven't seen the later Moriarty episodes, but I know there's I can only imagine there's some sort of closure. Uh, I don't I don't think there is. Right. Uh, I, and, and and how he gets out is so bad and so stupid. Um, like Geordie is like running diagnostics on checking that the holodeck is working properly, so he's just pumping out every character from the memory log to check that it's working properly, and didn't forget <laughs> and forgets to like not do it with Moriarty. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been, it would have been better if because it's in like season seven or something. Because the, the reason I think we discussed in the episode is that they found out they didn't actually have the rights to use Moriarty, um, <laughs> but the. 
but it, it would have been good if he's doing that and he's like right here's a uh, here's my uh, whatever my milk of magnesia fantasy Boop. um and there's there's her and then and then there's his asian fantasy and there's all these all these all of the job these other fantasies and he's like yeah this is pretty good and then he presses a button and moriarty appears he should have just been like oh fuck that's right we were supposed to fix this <laughs> Remember that time we created sentient life? Oh. <laughs> Remember that time we had to send quite a strongly worded feedback uh, to, to, to Holodeck Incorporated? Do you um, do you know about the uh, the legal issues that Netflix are having with um, the, the the Enola Holmes movies? Uh, yeah, um, I do. Yeah, but yeah. So uh, if you if you're listening, you're aware of this. Um, Henry Cavill plays uh, plays Sherlock, and he's quite nice and not a dismissive misogynist. And uh, the estate of uh, Arthur Conan Doyle are arguing that if he's not a misogynist, he's clearly Holmes in later life, yeah. which is the last three books that are still covered by copyright. <laughs> so look forward to the next Enola Holmes movie in which, for no reason whatsoever, Sherlock punches a woman. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, fuck this episode. Uh, did you um, did you finish Rings of Power? I didn't start Rings of Power. I really quite like Rings of Power. Ooh. Yeah. I'm interested. Um. I, and by the way, quick point. I want to throw this out there. Um. Lenny Henry is the most accurate Hobbit that we've ever got. This, this is. They all, they're all supposed it, to have Jamaican accents. Uh, no, no, right. To be fair, um, to be fair to him, and, and this is something I learned from Boy Boy. There, there is a theory that the Jamaican accent, as we know it, evolved from. I can't remember if it's just the Irish or if it's the Irish and the Scots. I, I, I think it's just the Irish who were sent over to Jamaica to be indentured servants, who then stayed. So the the Jamaican English accent has elements of Irish in it. Um, yeah. So it, so that so that, so I'm I'm totally cool with that. Like, there, there, there's nothing in my mind that says that's wrong. So um, the uh, uh, family of hobbits that he's supposed to come from in the Cimmerillion are mentioned as being like a darker skinned than normal, like uh, than other hobbits. Not normal, other hobbits. Yeah. Right. Um, um, but in addition to that, anybody who doesn't know this, um, the Shire is based on Birmingham. It's yeah. where it's where Tolkien's from. Um, so like of course him being a black brummy is the, probably the most accurate hobbit we've ever gotten yeah so that that's what they're supposed to sound like um, if you've got a problem with that you're an idiot but, don't don't get me on my why it's okay there are black people in Lord of the Rings rant because it's so okay and I it, it's oh I, I I can't I can't even do it. <laughs> See, I've I've got a very similar argument in that I don't really give a fuck about the lore of Lord of the Rings. I just I just don't care. Uh, because to me, uh, so I started reading The Hobbit for the first time. I've never read any of the Lord of the Rings books. I've never read any of the Tolkien books at all. I never had The Hobbit read to me as a child, which I understand is a rite of passage, but that just never happened. Like, no one in my family is interested in fantasy. Um, so I never had it. But I finally got around to reading The Hobbit, and I'm like, this is fucking great. Like, yeah. and it's not the story as such, it's the way that the story is written. So Tolkien's language is so beautiful and so conversational and yet so eloquent and so high. And it's just, it's like, like I started listening to it on the audiobook, the one uh, Andy Serkis was doing. And I, I, I stopped at like chapter two and went, the language in this is so good. I don't want to be distracted by how good Andy Serkis's performance of it is. So I'm going to go and get the book and just read the book to myself in my own head um, and it's, then have yeah. Andy Serkis read it to me, which I'm now probably going to go and do with Lord of the Rings as well. But my point about Lord of the Rings, and this, this, is, this is probably a very contentious opinion that basically only I hold. Um, I have very complicated relationships with the Peter Jackson movies because I think the extended editions are fucking awful. But right. the yeah. theatrical editions might be one of the best stories ever told. See, here's the thing: I'm like, uh, like I was a, a big. So what happened? My story with Lord of the Rings is I read The Hobbit like bunch as a kid, and I started reading The Lord of the Rings when I was younger, and I got to the point. 
where they are um they're over their mark it's it's in the fellowship um they're I think that it's either in the fellowship of the one after. I don't know. I can't remember. But they, they, it's that bit where they, they're trekking across the marches. The orcs have nicked two of the hobbits, and they've got this really long way to go. Oh, is this when, they, and, when they're trapping across that muddy ground with all the bodies in it? The Tolkien said is definitely not based on Flanders. <laughs> the, no, um, no. This is a separate bit where they're just marching across. They're tracking down the orcs to try to catch up with yeah, them. Yeah, the orcs yeah, are out marching. Right, yeah, yeah. When I reached that point as a young man, that goes on for for i'm gonna put say this it goes on for about 10 pages too long and i know that because after re, trying to read it um i gave up reading it and then i uh, a few years later i went back to it and i read about three more pages and i went oh this is slog and i gave up and then they announced that the film was being made and i went oh fucking hell i've got to finish this now and then i found out i only had five more pages to go and then it got back to the action <laughs> i was furious yeah. so that is it took me um, in total reading time, I read the Lord of the Rings in about two, three weeks. Yeah. In total, like actual time, I took seven years to read the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That's how long the journey took. Um, uh, yeah. I think so. I um, so I have a very distinct memory from kind of my sort of late childhood. Right, I was I was maybe about eleven years old, and I was staying round at my friend's house. I think Lord of the Rings was just about to come out. And I remember saying to him, I was like, what do you think of this Lord of the... Because he was like the only dude I hung out with that I could talk about movies with. Because other kids either pretended were too cool to talk about movies or genuinely were too cool to talk about movies and I was just severely uncool. But um, the I remember talking to him about it. I was like, what do you think of this Lord of the Rings stuff? And he says, well, my dad's really excited. Because my dad... And his dad was like, I can't remember what his trade was. I think he was a mechanic. Um, but he was like, my dad does not read. Like, like does not read. Like, he can read. Like, he's not a fucking simpleton, but he just doesn't read. But when he was a kid, he read Lord of the Rings, and he would just read it over and over and over again because the language used to tell the story is so good. Now, the thing is, right, you cannot translate that to the screen. You cannot tell Lord of the Rings as a film in the way that it's told in the books. So Peter Jackson does an incredible job, because, and the reason I think the theatrical versions are better is because there's just more storytelling between all the bullshit and all the fucking lore and all the fucking this, and it's like, just give me interesting things that happen. And that's why I don't care about the lore of Lord of the Rings. I turn around to Laura and I say the statement that if I, if I ever get crucified, this will be written on the crucifix, right? I said, that, here's why I like Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Uh, because what the Lord of the Rings really needed was some good storytelling in it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? See, um, so and, and the way that they told that story in the show, regardless of the fact, oh, who gives a fuck that Gandalf doesn't isn't supposed to show up for another thousand years? I don't care. He's here now, and they're telling that story very well. The, the, the thing about Lord of the Rings is that you are right. Like it's beautifully said. Also, I'd love to have met, I'd been in the room where Tolkien went into his publisher. I've written a sequel to The Hobbit. Oh, another charming little kids' book. No, uh, I've rewritten the the folklore of of, <laughs> of the country I live in. Here, here, here is a tome I have presented you. I will have to break this into three pieces because there's a lack of paper exists because the war just finished. Yeah. Has, um, it, has, <laughs> has anyone listen, Mister Publisher? Has anyone ever walked out here and said? I have written the greatest story ever told in the history of humanity. You don't even have to read it. Just fucking put it out. Because you can do that if you want. And just dropping a massive book on the yeah. table and just having the people in the room go, is that the book? He goes, oh, no. Sorry, these are, these are my ancillary notes on the dwarven language, uh, which appears for, like, four chapters. <laughs> The Lord of the Rings did like a lot of bad things for his fantasy because the problem is people don't get that like the reason that like your law drops are bullshit unless it is part of the story unless the characters need to know the information that is given to drive them to for, to achieve their goals it is pointless. Tolkien's law is dropped in because it's part of like oh it's like oh he's referencing that thing that everybody knows about in this world. Um, because that's part of their backstory and it's an important part of their figures. Like, for example, it's it's never mentioned that the EMR, like the the word, it, it's never mentioned in. I think it's never mentioned in the text that EO clearly is their word for horse. Yeah, 
and that is why it is in every name of every person and every town because they yeah. are a horse. It, yeah, it's just there and it makes it better as a result because he, he wanted to tell a story and then he'd casually go, oh, I've not established 200, like 2,000 years of backlog on why this sword is important. Fuck. Better See, go write all that. It's why... Um, <laughs> I, I, I think the because I, I think it's somewhat similar to the argument that um, Star Wars has to be a fantasy because Star Trek isn't and it's like well Star Trek is kind of as much of a fantasy as Star Trek and they're ba- they're still basically sci-fi um, but yeah. it's I, I don't know again I haven't actually read the trilogy yet but from what I have read because I've tried it before and what I've gone into in like YouTube videos where they analyse the text and things I don't know if I agree with the assertion that The Hobbit was a book written for children and then he decided to write a book for adults. I don't think that's what he did. I think he wrote a book for children that was incredibly beautifully written and then he decided, I'm going to expand on this and I'm going to write essentially a book for kids that just doesn't speak down to kids and just trusts, as you say, kids will figure out that EO is the word for horse because kids aren't idiots. Um, yeah, I, I I think that's what Lord of the Rings is, but uh, maybe I'll maybe maybe I'll have a different maybe I'll pop in in a couple oh. of weeks and I'll be like, man, I'm halfway through Fellowship and fuck me, I can't believe these books weren't written eighteen plus. <laughs> it's it's the thing with the Rings of Power is I've not seen it yet, I've not watched it, so this is me like talking as an outsider. I think it's very much a show being made for the people who Lord of the Rings is their Star Wars. Like uh, they, the, the people who like these are the classic movies. You've got to watch these. These are important. They grew up on that, and that's been like a part of their life. As Star Wars has been a part of mine. Oh, I see whereas, what you mean. I wasn't sure yeah. you were going there. Whereas I come to like the Lord of the Rings as the Lord of the Rings movies are nice, but I'm also a big fan of Ralph Bakshi's adaptation yeah. of the 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 first movie. And I've read the books multiple times, and so and I've read the Cimmerillion. I haven't. I got halfway through it and I gave up. It's poorly written. But it's, it's a bunch of notes thrown together by Christopher Tolkien, who's not as good. Okay, it's that simple. So I've walked away. Um, but it's um, I get like, but this is like, this is for them. This is like them when we got the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Where, but but good, I assume. Uh, this is. Um, so it's like I will want to get around to watching it at some point, but it doesn't. To, I'm not going to be one of those people who's like, "Oh no, it ruined." The, you, you cannot ruin Lord of the Rings. No, it is. Uh, it is one of the greatest books ever written, and it will always be that forever. End of discussion. And also, it has black people in it. There are black people yeah. in Lord of the Rings. They, they're mentioned as being the dark-skinned men who ride the elephants, because of course they are. Tolkien knows where elephants come from and the men who ride them, what colour their skin is. It's either Africa or India. And this is a creation myth, so they're going to be created. In the, if, they're, if they're not there, it's weird. Unless you're saying all people were created white and then later they got corrupted and became black, which is so racist it hurts. Uh, Take it from a Ghostbusters <laughs> fan. No reboot ever ruins the original, right? Eventually, no. eventually we are going to get a Back to the Future remake. And what's going to be really hurtful is that the time that Martin McFly goes back to is going to be during our probably past our like uh, oh, developing period like they're going to go back to 2005 um, yeah. and do you know what it doesn't fucking matter because back first of all I mean, it, it, lots of people will probably go and see it, but it probably it, it certainly won't be as good. But who cares? Back to the Future 1985 is still one of the most important stories, one of the most human stories ever told. Who fucking yeah. cares what they do? Like, not everything is made for you. Yeah, it, there's a lot of people who like Lord of the Rings and a lot of people who can't be fucked getting into all the lore, so they just want an interesting story told about those characters. Don't, don't, yeah. don't. This has become a very serious episode about a shit episode of Star Trek. <laughs> well, the thing is, right? So I, I've got, I, I do have a theory about this, which is, um, the when the the first like reboots and fucking around with like previously existing properties that was done was the Star Wars prequels, yeah, and to a lesser extent the special editions. 
and we all talked then about how our childhood been, had been ruined. But that's because um, the original versions of Star Wars weren't available. Like, they'd only just come out on, like, VHS. They were only, like, available for a short period to actually buy. Mm-hmm. And then the special editions came out. And George Lucas stopped releasing the classic versions. Like you, if you want to get the like the classic Star Wars experience, you have to download illegally the despecialized versions. That's what George Lucas did. Yeah. So that's when we used to go, oh, he's ruined our childhood. Somebody making something new with characters that, that previously exist doesn't ruin your childhood because you can still just watch the original thing and not care about the new thing. There's like I like I I watched Man of Steel and I've watched. Batman versus Superman, and I still love Batman and Superman. Yeah. And those films are the visual equivalent of AIDS. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and 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 also to go back to the to to, to the original un unfucking specialized Star Wars trilogy. If if you if you're the type of person that thinks you know Disney's ever ever going to release the original editions of Star Wars, and you're like, you know what, I'll go on hunger strike until Disney releases the original editions of Star Wars. You might as well just drop a toaster in your bath right now, mate, and save yourself some time. Because that is never, ever, ever going to happen. Because they're so... Disney are so intent on um, continuity that the original editions of Star Wars will quite possibly be out of continuity with the stuff that Disney has been producing. Speaking of which, have you seen Andor? Uh, I haven't watched it yet. I've mate, I've it's the best Star Wars. It's so good. I've I really liked the um, uh, the uh, uh, Rogue One, the movie. But um, I've got. I was sold, Mark. I was sold on a lie. You know, I was told as a child that there was a trilogy of trilogies planned, uh, and as a result. I went to the see those. All, I've seen every Star Wars film in the cinema at some point. I watched all of them, and my overall feeling at the end of the last Star Wars movie wasn't that it was a good movie, wasn't that it was a bad movie, it wasn't anything like that. It was just a sense of freedom that I had finally, I had, I had seen what I'd been told was going to happen. It was done, and I could walk away. Uh, and as a result, I'm very even when somebody tells me something's good with Souls, like The Mandalorian season one, I'm very hesitant to dip my toe back in in case they just get their claws back in and I have to suddenly care about Star Wars again and watch some shit movies. <laughs> See, just just while we're doing this entire episode about my garbage opinions about films, um, <laughs> I have gone on many records. I say, and this, I can't believe this opinion about Star Wars is going to turn people off of our Star Trek podcast. Personally, I think The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars film since Empire. Um, and I, but, so I quite like the sequel stuff. And I think a lot of people, I, I've, I've read online, which you can't take as a general opinion, right? People online are clowns. But, yeah. A lot of people are like, well, we're really sick at, like, we really understand the fucking, uh, the period between three and four. Can we start exploring after six? It's like, I don't give a shit about what happens after six. Like, Andor is about the birth of the rebellion. It's not about him. It's the kind of starts off as, like, an origin story for him. But they drop that pretty quickly, and it just becomes about what the rebellion is, which is, like, boots on the ground rebellion is what I want from Star Wars. I, Rogue One... I don't love um, because I feel like it's two movies that have been sellotaped together I feel like Gareth Edwards made a really good movie and then they kind of ruined it Um, or maybe he didn't and Tony Gilroy saved it, either way someone made a shit half of a film uh, I do love the uh, the one the one really good joke I once saw. I can't remember where it was about about why Vader doesn't uh, go down to the planet to to stop them from stealing it while they're on the beach Oh, like sand. <laughs> um, but yeah, just just shit like um, the, the, the start of Rogue One when he's talking to Danny Mays, who you're like, that's a recognisable guy. He's going to be in this role. Oh, no, he's dead. Uh, because Cassie and Andor killed him. Because, yeah, sometimes the Rebels are going to have to do some wet work. So I want to see a movie about the wet work that the Rebels do. Oh, no, let's bring in a blind Jedi and his pal. 
Why? <laughs> so Andor is like if Rogue One didn't have any nonsense in it. Yeah, I, I, really I'm, I'm I'm up for I, I'd be up for that because one of my, some of my favorite stuff. The thing is, is that like I understand like progressing the time period and all that, but some of the most interesting stuff in Star Wars was like if you did you ever play um, Dark Forces and then Jedi Knight? No. Um, so yeah, Dark Forces was the first person shooter they made of Star Wars that includes. Uh, Let's see. So it starts off. The first one is a you is a, just a first person shooter, but it is the one of the levels is you are the person who steals the Death Star plans. Oh, uh, and it's really and it's stuff like that. Um, the second one is you're the same character who was in Dark Forces, uh, but now um, you're going to be trained to become a Jedi, uh, uh, and it's fucking fantastic because it has a light side and a dark side skill tree. Yeah. Uh, depending on which one you like, want to put points into, you could either like block laser fight. It's all you could literally get the, uh, the little training droid, droid thing, and you spar with that. And if you just left your guy in a room with that running for like eight hours, he just got better at blocking uh, lasers. <laughs> so that later on in the game, you could just be like fight vending off people who got a machine gun. Yeah, I might give it a shot. It's, um, I'm not taking yeah. that as canon because I do think the story of Rogue One is really good because um, mm. the uh, like blow, uh, blowing up the Death Star is the single most important event in the Star Wars universe. That's why, like, if you watch Star Wars, what they've started doing, they do it in Andor, is they give you a time period, but the period is always BBY or ABY, which is before or after the Battle of Yavin, because again blowing up the Death Star is the most important thing the Rebels ever do. Any character in Star Wars ever does, the most important thing is blowing up that Death Star because it turns the tide. So the the fact that we are told about these people in the opening crawl is like, yeah, that's cool on one level, but I'd like I'd quite like to see that, and I think Rogue One just disappointed me on that, but Andor is doing something similar. They haven't finished the season. It's quite cool what they do. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, right? So... Andor is about a heist, but there's 12 episodes, and in episode 6, the heist happens, and then the next 6 episodes are going to be the fallout from the heist, which is like a really interesting way to tackle that story. And that's interesting. I do like that sound of that. I could watch, I I need to, I'm probably going to watch it. I'm not going to watch Kenobi. No. Because I I don't want to, like... Like I, I, apparently Marvel is sending a bunch of projects back into like that. We're going to be series of being pushed back into being films, and I think that's probably the result of like them seeing Kenobi and being like, "Oh, so if you wanted to write a film, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. we should write a film rather than spread the story over six or eight episodes or whatever." Just ah, uh. but but uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, if you listen to this entire episode and you're disappointed that uh, we spent this episode talking about different things, then congratulations, you know what Shades of Grey was like. Yeah, we spoke for... We probably spoke about Star Trek for as much time as there was new Star Trek content in the episode episode to talk about. Um, What I would say is we're we're moving into season three. Yeah. So, actually... If this was the National League, we're moving into the championship. let, Let me ask you a question, though. Right. Given what like, Mar- like given what Disney has done, reference. I dig that. <laughs> but if um, I'm right. into football now, <laughs> I support Wrexham and Liverpool. I'm not a bandwagon guy. I don't just support <laughs> football teams because they make interesting documentaries about them. <laughs> okay, so genuine question, right? If you it worked to make a series like Andor, but for Star Trek, what character or what time period or what thing do you focus on? Ooh, ooh, I don't. I'd know. do, I do a series set on like either a colony or like a ship that was involved in the Cardassian War. Yeah. That is apparently happened pre TNG. Mm. Or, or I do a, a series set on a. I'd love to see a, a Star Trek series that's on board a Klingon ship. I'd 
quite like maybe to see... I think what could be interesting if you did it is maybe a mini-series would be... Essentially, so obviously Star Trek 09 is like the movie they would make about Kirk's life in the universe of Star Trek uh, to make him seem more exciting. So I think what might he's be already interesting, very exciting. Yeah, is if is is a series where a, like a a, 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 a you know a, a series of events happen where basically a lower decker ensign is promoted to captain just through and not like a comedy. Just through like a series of a fucking Rube Goldberg machine of plot means that they end up in charge. They end up being the most senior officer on a ship, and they have to take over because they can't they can't reach Starfleet. So essentially, someone who knows fucking nothing because the entire bridge crew and all the officers get vaporized. So the only thing you have is the lower deckers who were out on vacation at the time. They come back to the ship and they're like, "We can't reach Starfleet, and something's coming, and we have to." figure out how, oh, how I, to be captains i i would i would love like engineering to be like okay we've got this 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 and this and the guy who knows how these things work is dead and we yeah. have no idea uh so um we're gonna be looking through manuals <laughs> i also i also thought of a joke last night when i was high uh which was um uh o'brien and julian bashir sitting in quark's bar and Julian Bashir turn around and turning around to come uh, to uh, Chief O'Brien and say, "What would you rather have? Uh, a button that brings about universal peace, or a pill that gives you a five-inch longer dick?" And Miles O'Brien turn around and say, "Julian, what would I do with a seventeen-inch dick?" <laughs> right. Yeah. So, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain's Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog. <laughs>